This is episode 68 of the Reading Cove Book Club's podcast. We're always looking for great new members, so if you're a book lover who may be interested in joining an online book club, please visit our website at thereadingcove.com to learn more about the group. For July 2016, we're discussing Burial Rights by Hannah Kent. Okay, so hi, I am Millennia in Florida. And I'm Roberta in Georgia. And Roberta and I are two members of the Reading Cove Book Club here today to chat about our 188th pick, Burial Rights, uh, that was chosen by me, yours truly. We're wrapping up our discussion with the rest of the group online. And this one was disappointing for me and for most of our group, I would think. There were a couple people who enjoyed it. Well, I was sort of in the, the middle. I sure gave it a lower grade than just about anything I have in, in recent times. Yeah, and that's saying a lot for you. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty big on giving people higher grades or the benefit of the doubt, but mm-hmm. not always. I really enjoyed it being set in an entirely different location that I was not familiar with right. and a different time. Uh, to look at and look at a different uh, culture, but I had already posted on I think online when we did our the beginning of the discussion. The thing that bothered me the most was that all of a sudden, not even in a different chapter or not even Mark, but the author would go from third person to first person mm-hmm. through the main character, mm-hmm. just like boom, and and that just really put me off the book because I'm not stupid. I can follow these things, but I just don't appreciate that. I, I'm okay with books that sort of weave back and forth in time because even in The Cove, we've read a, a several of those in recent history. So if it's clearly marked and I know where I'm at, I'm fine. But I don't like to feel lost or just things dumped right in front of me. Or like it doesn't serve a purpose. No. Because th- that's what I, did, I would say about that. I felt like Agnes needed her own chapters. Right. I don't mind that uh, Reverend Toadie's part and the, the other, because for a time in the beginning we're with the family before the Reverend comes into the picture. That part is in the third person and Agnes's pieces are in the first person. And I feel like that her pieces needed to be separate chapters whenever it shifted to her. I I agree, yeah. Because that, I think, would have made a difference. You know, give her distinction in the narrative because she's speaking directly to you. And I think that was missing. When it just shifts from Toadie to her (laughs) and she's talking to you in the first person and then it's just a section break. So I agree with you there. That made it seem jumbled right and i don't know why the author didn't just go ahead and give her a separate chapter because they had separate pieces for the um documents Mm -hmm. they used that were true documents that were to make it seem a little bit more authentic and then a separate thing for these couple little pieces of poems also so i really didn't understand why she didn't use that same way of having agnes's thing it would have worked a whole lot better for me that was probably one of the, well that probably was my biggest complaint i agree with that and i think a few people in the group agreed with that too in the poll we only had two people who gave it a b everyone else it was c's and d's right. so it really didn't go over that well now it is well reviewed on amazon and on goodreads overwhelmingly positive reviews about it but for me it was i thought it was well written 
and poetic and sophisticated, but it was poorly focused and kind of dry, shallow, and, you know, just didn't have any flavor. This very rich ground for a story with this true story that happened where these two men were brutally murdered and the house burned down. And I just found that there just was no imagination. I felt like the author lacked imagination with this, the way that she recounts, you know, her version of what really happened. It was kind of dull. Yeah, that's what I was saying, too, that I like the premise. I like the setting. But it could have been a much richer book and it would have been more emotionally engaging. Exactly. If it had been handled a a little bit differently. Exactly. It did not engage me emotionally at all. And that is a problem when you're in the point of view of a character for 300 pages, like I was saying in the group. She's beheaded at the end and you're just... It's just like, oh, okay. I feel like, yeah, when I close the book, I'm like, come on, you you should feel a much greater, you should be sobbing. You should right. feel a much greater sense of loss from this woman's beheading. I felt only, you know, a, a disconnected sympathy about anybody who would be in that situation going up to their own beheading. Right. But yeah. it wasn't there on the page for Agnes as no. a character to me. And I think the rest of the group agreed with that. Even the people who gave it a B, Miriam and, and Lynette, they were, I think they agreed with that, that it, it really, you didn't connect with anybody. No. And and it could have been so much different because I've read a lot of the different uh, historical fiction about the Tudors. Mm-hmm. And as we well know, lots of people lost their head. Yes. <laughs> literally in that era and the authors of those mainly philippa gregory but even some other ones you were engaged by the character and and yeah you just felt like oh you know you know it's coming but at the same time you get so uh engaged with the character it really does leave you with a very sad melancholy uh after feeling definitely I think, too, as I think we'd said online, that it could have even been a better book if they had maybe taken away some, she'd take away some parts and then added other things. If we could have seen more about uh, Agnes's and the other suspects' trial, I mm-hmm. think that would have made us feel differently. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking as I read it. I'm like, I thought one of the flashbacks would be to the trial. As I was reading, I was expecting that to come. And when it didn't, and I realized, oh, there's just going to be these little references to something someone said at trial. But we didn't see the trial. And I thought, why didn't she write the trial? Why didn't she research the court system of the day and include the trial? Because that would have been so compelling, I think. Yeah, that would have been a lot of times, unfortunately, then probably as much as nowadays, if you're a person that was either poor or destitute or something, um, you aren't going to get the same treatment as someone who has money. Exactly. Unfortunately, that's been the way of a lot of these justice systems over the year. They're not always just. I would have been interested in seeing how they handled this because you don't know. You know, they the author wants to um, give you a doubt about Agnes's true involvement in the crime and if nothing else she was there so she was an accomplice to the the murder right she was there she killed him out of mercy because Friedrich had already half killed him anyway right and he was suffering so Agnes you know does a mercy killing and so I think 
that is her attempt at imagining <laughs> what Agnes's role was and right. trying to portray her in a more sympathetic light, right. right? So why then am I left feeling like Agnes just stayed flat, remote, and uninteresting the whole story? I mean, it it unfolds so slowly with her starting to talk about her childhood and growing up and creeping along. And you learn her whole life, but yet you don't sympathize with her doing a mercy killing and being beheaded for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just certain things were left out that would have given you a little bit more insight into her. And granted, she had probably wasn't going to be, even besides the horrible things that happened, she wasn't going to be like a warm, fuzzy type of person. Right. Because she had had a pretty horrific life and had, you know, tried to do the best she could just to survive. Right. Uh, you could see even when she lived with the family that she wasn't going to necessarily cozy up to them. She did share more with, with Margaret than anybody else mm-hmm. because they had a certain certain things in common but it was it seemed like she always sort of hold, held herself away from some of these people because almost everything that had ever happened to her she'd lost one situation after another right. and been basically abandoned by her own mother so yeah i mean that's not going to make for a warm fuzzy person but you still think that that some of these things that could have been included would have made you more sympathetic you know, at least feel a little bit of empathy about what she had been been through. And also the the relationship with Reverend Toadie. Yes. I feel not only was this book a missed opportunity with this situation, this plot, but his character was a significantly missed opportunity. Right. Because to me, he amount his characterization just amounts to a young guy who's following in his father's footsteps. You know, like Sally said in the group, he's not called to be a priest. Right. But it's what's expected. And so he's he's training to become a priest. And so he's struggling with that. And he is, you know, summoned by her, requested by Agnes to come and, you know, help her make peace before she's killed. And he finds himself being attracted to her. And so he's constantly struggling between, you know, falling in love with this woman and his role as a priest. Right. That's really all his characterization amounted to. And I feel like it did such a disservice to this story. Yeah, I agree with you. I would have liked to see him rise to the occasion, whether he ends up staying, like I said in the group, whether he would stay, decide to continue to be a priest or not. Maybe he's struggling with confusion. Does Is he really attracted to her or is he just really sympathizing with her and rise to the occasion to help her make peace with what happened? Because he never did. I mean, no. he, he was there like Lynette was saying in the group. She, he was the, the kindest person to her. He was the only person to show her any real kindness for most of the book. But he didn't. How did he help her? He didn't help her. Not really. <laughs> there was like there was nothing. It, it went nowhere. It was useless. The relationship to me, his character almost was was useless. Yeah, I mean, well, he was a good listener, but he, <laughs> but he needed to work on his counseling skills because yes. even even back then, you know, many many years ago, that was what was sort of expected of you know men in the church mm-hmm. that to counsel you know the people that they were assigned to or their local parish. Granted, she requested him specifically, and it seemed his father was a little bit jealous, right? Because he's 
you know, why is she asking for him? And he's a priest in training. Toadie was written as so young and inexperienced. It was ineffective. And I saw one hint when he went to see the commissioner asking him, so what are you saying, talking to her about? And, and Toadie's telling him, oh, you know, I'm asking her about her childhood or whatever. And he's like, no, you're not supposed to be listening to her. You know, you're supposed to just be preaching to her from the, from the Bible and whatever. And I thought maybe that was going to go somewhere. Maybe Toadie was going to become a crusader, you know, to change that, that thinking or that practice in the church, but nothing, you know, his character was useless. I was so frustrated with that. He truly fell short of, you know, where he needed to be. But and and you you don't know, maybe he'll either get out of this training, decide he's not cut out for it in the future, or maybe he can learn from this experience and see how to become a better counselor and more actively help those who need it. Exactly. So any memorable scenes? Well, I guess, you know, uh, several of them I could imagine when they were having to deliver that baby breach. That, you know, it sounds like very painful. Yeah. On a, a nicer note, I, I really liked it when Margaret first sort of warmed up to Agnes and saw she wasn't this monstrous murderer, just a monstrous murderer that she was a woman who had had a rough time and that was, you know, a hard worker. And as we had said online, that both of them could kind of relate to each other because Agnes knew that her today would come, you know, to be executed sooner rather than later. But even poor Mar- Margaret back in that day and time, you knew her days were number two because she wasn't going to be able to throw off this illness. Which it, I have to say, as I was saying in the group, that cough <laughs> was a character in and of itself. Yeah. And it yeah. really annoyed me that it went nowhere. Right. You know, like I was saying, it's like the gun that shows up in Act 1 and doesn't go off by, you know, in Act 2. Yeah. It's like, why was there such focus on her coughing and describing the phlegm coming out of her mouth? You know, why? <laughs> Why was any of that necessary? I mean, if well, she was sick, if she had a cough, fine. But did we need all that detail and description if it wasn't uh, going to be more integral? No, that was sort of TMI. Exactly. <laughs> and then the, the one other thing that I really liked was when uh, Margaret stood up to that nosy Rosalind. Yes. Because <laughs> that woman seemed like she was the villain gossip. She know? was. She, and she, she showed up just, with all her kids just to get the news. Just to get the, you know, the scoop on that. Yeah. And Margaret didn't let her just come, you know, pouncing in. She just really, in, in a firm but kind manner, just told her, you need to go. <laughs> exactly. You need to go. And so I thought, yay, because, you know, a lot of people, both then and even now, they'd be afraid to, um, you know, run off their neighbor or have a, a, a bad thing uh, hindering their relationship right. because conditions were ho- so harsh then. You could be uh, putting, you know, some bad things on you because if these people don't like you, then they're not going to help you in your time of need. But someone needed to tone down that Rosalind because, you know, she needed to be worried more about her children and, and her house and not worried about other people's gossip. <laughs> Right now, off the top of my head, I guess the most memorable scene would be the end, you know, when she's going to be beheaded. Yeah. Just me feeling like 
I should be sobbing. Wow, I, I, you know, I should be more emotionally engaged with this because she wanted her to portray this woman in a sympathetic light and say, you know, give an account that says she was not really guilty of plotting a murder and all of that. I don't feel like this is even remotely what probably really happened right. <laughs> that night or with that whole situation. I'm more inclined to believe that this was either a robbery gone wrong or a crime of passion. Right, because especially between the relationship between Siga and uh, Nathan, because Mm -hmm. Agnes thought, well, oh, I finally have somebody that cares about me. And then when she finds out basically that, you know, Siga is, even though she's not very bright or anything, but she's pretty, that she's kind of overthrown her from the get-go. So, yeah, you could see how someone would be horribly uh, jealous. Exactly. And that sounds much more likely that, right. you know, maybe she had been with him. Is it? I was I was thinking of him as Natan the whole time I was reading it. Maybe it's Nathan. Nathan. But, yeah, if, she, if Agnes was with Nathan for years and they were servants, you know, if they worked on his farm, hired hands, whatever, and then suddenly he brings in this new 15-year-old and they're all sleeping in the same room and yeah i can see that being agnes might have hired friedrich (laughs) yeah i mean in real life friedrich was sort of like some of these you know wild-eyed criminals you see on tv now you know that you hate to judge or or put people in a certain stereotype but you just see certain people in these mug shots and you think yeah they they don't have a good reality you know that it's horrible what they did but you can kind of understand it because they just look like they're off in you know another world but so you i kind of get the feeling that friedrich was sort of like one of these wild-eyed crazy people and he just had it in his mind that there was this money to be found and why should he be poor you know and that's the other thing that it seems vague or just out of focus whether or not she was trying to make a motive out of robbery or jealousy about siga It's like she didn't make a decision about that. She just kind of threw it vaguely and just said, oh, yeah, he had this little motive over here. He's digging up the yard looking for money. And then he's in love. with. He wants to marry Siga, but, you know, Nathan is is saying no. So it's like, "Mm, well, you never know. It could be kind of a combination of both, because if uh, Friedrich had found the money, which I'm I don't believe was there. He just, in his mind it was, but it wasn't. But I think he, in his mind, maybe he thought too that if he could get this money, then he could get Siga to run away with him and, you know, they would be able to live well. They wouldn't have to be poor and, and everything. And, and she might come away with him instead, instead of staying there. Right. And then, you know, Nicole pointed out in the group that Friedrich's mother had really kind of egged him on yeah. to go and do something to Nathan. She wasn't quite a real honest law-abiding person either. Right. It's sort of the thing of the, the have-nots thinking that they deserve more, even though they didn't want to get it in a, a honest way. Yeah, and I think the consensus is that, you know, everybody kind of agrees that maybe Peter, the other man who was killed, was just in the wrong place. He was visiting, right? and he was just there at the wrong time. I think so, too. I mean, they just had to do away with him because otherwise course there'd be a witness right yeah and you know i was saying i think maybe siga her sentence was commuted to life in in prison because she was only 15 right and even in the book that wasn't really explored 
It was just, you know, Agnes got upset when she found out about it. But, you know, I don't know. Those are just things I I see where a more imaginative writer could have just, you know, run with that. Yeah, told us more and made it. Made it more compelling. Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah. And Friedrich was young, too. But he was, you know, he was also male. and He was the uh, head honcho in the whole scheme. He confessed to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there wasn't much doubt about it. Yeah, he confessed. And in the book, it wasn't clear exactly what his story was or what um, his motive was for trying to bring Agnes and Siga down with him. Right. Like, why? If she really didn't have anything to do with it, then what motive did he have for? having her be held responsible as well or Siga Siga was even worse he loved her right you know I don't know it's just sometimes that people figure well if I'm gonna go down they are too that you know now we need we need more motive we need a reason (laughs) we need some more motive here yes since we don't really get told that we don't know about Frederick's Friedrich's um uh, reasoning other than no matter what he did, he, you know, he ended up being executed, too, though we didn't find out about that because it really wasn't important. And, and like I said, I think Siga got off because she was younger and also she was attractive. And, you know, Agnes might have been OK in her own way, but she wasn't as young and cute as Siga. So that makes a big difference, too, unfortunately. It was, a, you know, interesting premise. And, and I enjoyed learning about some of these other things. So, I'd, you know, like now that I read that, I'd like to learn more about Iceland is I've uh, read different books over time I learned things but then it brings up more questions like oh well what really happened you know in this sort of uh, situation or location so no matter what you read if it, even if it's not very good then you can all if it's a historical fiction you can always learn some little tidbit that you didn't know before right yeah I enjoy the setting and I it, it does make me want to read more set in Iceland because it's oh. different and we don't often read about Iceland and books set in Iceland. Uh-huh. So it, it did wet my beak for that. Right. It's an interesting place and I could see really interesting like murder mysteries and stuff <laughs> being set right. there. Yeah. I think she, you know, like I was saying in the group, I sent an, a response. I said, I think she's young and this is her first book. So she can definitely grow as a storyteller yeah. because yeah. I think she is a very good writer and very educated, but her storytelling is, is very weak for me. Right. She, you know, she needs to grow some, so you can't always judge somebody by their first book. Debut, yeah. Either first book. Some people that's their, their big masterpiece and other ones you can see if, if you like the basic book to start with, you can see over time, if you read them, yes, they do grow and, um, uh, novels or or whatever are are better as they go along they improve with age literally exactly yeah it averaged a c from the group okay story average story i again i just felt like it was a missed opportunity to really connect the reader to this woman the last woman to be executed in iceland beheaded and it was disappointing for me it never took on three dimensions and again didn't engage me emotionally but maybe, you know, sometime in the future, we'll see another book by her that we might enjoy more. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, That's... we'll see. What about you? Do you think you'll read her next book? Well, we'll, we'll see. So, <laughs> I always hear the siren song of new books. So 
we'll see how things are going when this new one comes out, if I can work it into my TBR pile. Okay. Okay, so that's our discussion of burial rites by Hannah Kent. want to thank our listeners for tuning in. As always, please leave us your comments below and let us know if you agree or disagree or if you've read burial rites, which you should have if you're listening to this, and let us know what you think. <laughs> and stay tuned for our next episode. We will be discussing What She Knew by Jilly McMillan. See you next time. Bye. Bye.